So what do you do when you want to bring that first big marketing hire in? You know, maybe you've got a couple of people in the organization, you're working with a few agencies, you've done a little bit of marketing yourself, but it's time to really make the leap to find that first big marketing hire, that person that's going to be the foundation of your marketing department. Where do you find them? What do they look like? How do you make those decisions? Well, today on the podcast, we're going to talk to somebody who's been that first marketing hire. She's going to walk through how do you evaluate who that person is, what their skill sets are, how do you speak the language of marketing, all these things today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Wills. Todd Wills. Hello, welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to have Folia Grace on. Folia is a near and dear friend. She is a VP of marketing over at TalkDesk. TalkDesk just closed a huge round. The company is just knocking it out of the park. And while she would rebuke these claims, I think a lot of it has to do with her and her leadership. Foley is a phenomenal marketing leader. She speaks truth to organizations. She knows her stuff. Um, and she's just a pragmatic, smart person to bring into any conversation. So today on our podcast, sit back, take a listen as Folia walks us through what it's like to be that first marketing hire, what things you as a founder should be asking, what are the disciplines you should be looking for, and what you should expect as you bring that first person in to help lead your marketing team and take you forward. Sit back, take a listen. Now let's hear from Folia. I'm very excited to have uh, Folia Grace join us. Um, you know, fully, I could I could uh, sing your praises, but why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, who you are and, and where you are right now? So um, my name is Folia Grace, and I run uh, marketing. I'm the VP of marketing at TalkDesk, and TalkDesk is an enterprise cloud contact center platform, um, and we're known for our enterprise class performance and consumer-like simplicity. Um, that allows people to really improve customer satisfaction, increase productivity in their contact centers. Well, that's that's awesome. Okay, so first first question is, do you love your job or you hate your job? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, lo- I love what I do. I love my job. I mean, I think like everybody on the planet, there are days when I think, wow, that was, that was a tough one, you know. <laughs> tough day, but in general... I like, and then, and then when I look back, you know, uh, even when I have those tough days, when I look back over a year and you get through the, the, the challenges and you see what you build, that's, that's what I really uh, get, you know, when I take pride in what I do. We would love that. We love talking to people that love what they do and have a real passion for it. So, so let's, let's start with the, the kind of first real question. You've done this a couple of times. You've been with a few uh, earlier stage or entrepreneurial companies, when when's the typical time that they start bringing you in? You you've seen this record play a couple of times. So what's the what's the what are the signs that they say? Oh, we need someone like Folia in the in the um, you know in the marketing team. Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, prior to moving into VP of marketing role, now I've run full stack marketing. Um, I was, I built my career in product marketing. And um, so I think that's a very different time for companies when they bring product marketing in. 
And, you know, I, I think I've, uh, there's, there's actually different stages. Um, and di- I have an opinion about when you bring product marketing in, but um, I've seen co- some companies bring it in when they realize, oh, you know, our salespeople, we're, we're generating a lot of leads. Um, uh, you know, we've, we've sold our first deals and now um, we're adding salespeople, but, you know, we can't scale those salespeople as fast as we need to because, uh, you know, the first few people that you have, they're super close. Oftentimes the CEO is the salesperson, right? And, uh, yeah. and the first few people, they're all together. They understand the value proposition. Um, they're passionate. They're, there's those inter- entrepreneurial types. And now you're trying to scale and add salespeople around the world and you've got to enable them and you've got to make sure that you deliver them the right leads. And then they realize, oh, you know, we need, we need more marketing. We need that product marketing foundation. So um, that's typically when it gets to that tipping point. Um, there are those visionaries that bring product marketing in sooner. Um, and I think that's probably what I would recommend. But uh, in either case, it's, it, that, that's my, what my experience has been. Um, and then, you know, I think in terms of marketing in general, investment in marketing comes typically after, you know, you've sold your first few customers and now you want to scale. Well, and you brought up a really interesting point about your, you know, your product marketing background, but then you've also taken on sort of full stack responsibilities. So let's, let's think about this in terms of, you know, companies bringing in that first marketing hire as they start thinking about bringing on that sort of first person, that first head of, there's, there's all different disciplines within marketing, right? There's, you know, growth and performance mm-hmm. and there's the brand side and the messaging side. And, and then, you know, your side, the product marketing side, talk a little bit about what you see companies doing in terms of how they're thinking about and some of the struggles they're having with, Hey, those are a lot of things for one person to cover. How do we make that decision on who's the right best person for that first hire? Yeah, so that's really interesting. I mean, what what I see a lot is that, you know, companies have some sort of marketing in place um, at the point at which they're looking for a VP or, or a CMO. They've probably had somebody doing some demand gen. Um, they may have somebody running some events. You know, so they haven't made zero investment, but now... Um, they realize that they need some more strategy around that, that there's a broader, broader things they need to do like PR and AR, um, that they need to build their brand. So now they're looking for a head of marketing or, or a CMO. And what I see a lot is uh, kind of confusion at that point. Um, well, you know, should I get someone who comes from a demand gen background? Because I'm now, I'm adding these salespeople and they all need leads. Um, and that demand engine is so important. Or should I have someone that comes from a more product marketing background? Um, because I need to have the right message uh, going into the market. And I need to have the right strategy. And I need to approach the, the right buyers. So there's this 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 sort of uh, confusion or that everybody wants a full stack. They want someone who's done it all. 
Um, but then every person that's done it all has come up through one of these disciplines usually. So there's, there's kind of a debate usually going on about what kind of background should they bring in. And, you know, I do think that, that the answer to that question depends a bit on your company and, and what strategy you have. Um, if you know very well who your buyer is, you know very well who your message, what your message is, um, you just want to rinse and repeat and, you know, just make the demand engine as fast as and as efficient as possible. Typically, this is something maybe for an SMB market where you're selling a very uh, repeatable sale um, and not a very complex product. Then having that demand background is absolutely, I think, the right way to go. Um, if, on the other hand, you're looking at a more complex sale and there may be multiple buyers involved in making the decision, this is typical for, for an enterprise sale, then um, what I've seen is that you really need someone with a, a product marketing um, background to identify the buyer personas and make sure that you're actually saying the right thing to those buyer personas. I mean, I, I want to give you one example of my uh, company I walked into and um, had a complex sale, right? And mm -hmm. the demand people... I like to, you know, running around with chickens without heads, right? <laughs> That's an old <laughs> saying, but it kind of describes it because it gives you that visual. Oh, they're doing all sorts of activities. They're sending out emails. They're giving away T-shirts and mugs with clever statements. You know, all of this, all of this flopping around and no, no results coming through. And not only that, because the buyers that, the, that we were trying to go to are sophisticated uh, buyers. They're highly educated buyers. Um, and they, they want, you know, they're, they're not interested in T-shirts and mugs. They want things that are going to solve their problems. Um, and they're professionals. They don't need T-shirts and mugs. They need things that are going to solve the problem. But the demand engine had no idea how to speak to the buyer. And not only that, there's no content on the website. So even if a buyer was, you know, oh, okay, I got this, this mug and I've seen this company before. Maybe I'm interested. Let me go look at their website. Well, there's nothing, there's nothing in depth on the website to draw the buyer in, help them understand how you're going to solve their problem. There were no stories that were being told that would appeal to the buyer. Then the sales force, you know, had no tools. They weren't educated. So now even if somebody calls in, my SDR doesn't know what to say to this buyer because I have no materials, no stories, no buyer pains, uh, personas. So that's a case when, you know, you've invested in demand, but you might as well have not wasted your money. So in that, if you have a complex sale um, to a sophisticated buyer and um, particularly if there's multiple personas, then I would hire somebody that had a product marketing background as my head of marketing. Well, and one of the things that we've, we've talked about a couple of times as well is as, as companies are bringing that first hire in, it's the big um, pain point for them on what's the right makeup of that first person. But then there's yeah. also this, this idea of um, when is the right time, right? Too, too early, too much, too late, um, spending too little, yeah. spending too much, right? Talk a little bit about 
that kind of um, timing, right, on, on bringing that person in. So you've got the decision on who to bring in, but then you've also got the decision on when to bring them in and, and some of the levers yeah. that companies use. And, and that's a really, you know, I want to bridge those two points a little bit. Um, so I think in terms of demand and, and product marketing, just to go back to that, it really relates to timing. Um, there's a lot of things in marketing that you can outsource very easily. You can outsource creation of a demand generation programs. There's tons of agencies that do that. You can even outsource setting up Marketo, Nurture, or whatever, you know, not to uh, Pardo, Marketo, whatever you're, <laughs> marketing automation system yeah. of choice. You can, set, you can outsource that and have someone run that for you. Um, anything that's systematized, you can outsource marketing ops. Um, but it's very hard to outsource some, you know, to find somebody that understands your product and your buyer. On rare occasions, you might find a consultant that comes from the industry that's willing to work on contract. But that's, you know, that's something that typically you have to have somebody that's, that's in-house, that can go talk to the customers, that can go talk to the analysts and really develop um, your story, your pitch. So um, in terms of, of timing, you know, I think it's never, going back all the way to the first part of our conversation, it's never too early to bring in someone, whether it's a product management, product marketing person, to understand the buyer and build your pitch. You can almost do that at the beginning stages of your company. Once you have enough funding and enough uh, traction that, you know, you're, you're, um, you've got you've got something built to begin with obviously there's a stage where you're just just building the product but um i think that's never too early but then once you've identified let's say you have uh, you know 40 to 50 customers you have um 5 million in revenue it obviously depends on how much uh your your um your ACV is, but how many customers? So let's say you have about five million in revenue. Now you want to start uh, bringing in more of a demand engine that's going to feed the sales force that can take that success that you've developed and start multiplying it. Um, and one of the challenges I see people facing here is how much to spend on marketing. It's you know it's really tough to build a fire with kindling. <laughs> and maybe at four or five million, it's okay to have a little kindling. And what I mean by that is you're gonna, you know, you're gonna go to a few events, you're gonna do a few demand generation programs, field events. Um, you're gonna build out your customer base a little bit more. Um, but I think at the point that you've got maybe 10 million in funding, then or 10 million in revenue, you've really got to take a leap of faith. And because the, the challenge with marketing is it all works together. You've got to have a really nice, you know, nicely designed brand. You've got to have a beautiful website because everything goes through the web. Um, you've, there's online marketing, digital marketing that's going to build your brand and attract people uh, to your website and attract buyers. Uh, to, to, to have demos, so there's all of that. Plus, if you're in an industry that does events, you usually need to be at the events to be seen as a player in the industry. So all of that takes resources. And then um, on the awareness side, uh, you need to start talking to analysts. 
You want to start doing PR. Um, so you've got to make those investments in analyst services. You've got to make the investments at least in someone managing PR, if not an outside PR agency. So like, there's this level of investment that unfortunately is pretty large just to be at the baseline. Um, another area is customer marketing. I see people not investing in customer marketing, and that's like one of the most important investments you can do ever uh, because your customers tell your story. And, and what happens is companies go on and on. They don't have customer marketing. And, you know, two, three, five years into it, they try to go back and harvest those customer stories. It's very hard to do to get uh, customers that have been with you for a while to agree to case studies, uh, to get them involved in tabs. I mean, it's, it's much better if you do that right away up front while you're building your customers. So I guess the, you know, the bottom line is there's a leap of faith on marketing investment um, that you have to make. Once you've proven that you have um, the right product market fit, um, but then once you've got that level of investment, it's not like that needs to scale exponentially as you grow your revenue. You can, you can keep that somewhat flat um, for a period of time. This is just, there's a certain, you have to have a, like, it's like I have to have a, a body in each seat in the marketing mix. And I have to have investment in each seat. And now I can build off of that um, and continue to build my revenue. So it sounds like some of what you're, what you're saying here is that the, as they make the investment, there comes a point in time where you need to start thinking holistically about marketing and how it fits into the broader organization and making sure that right. there's no, there's no weakest link that you're, Again, to be cliched, but you're firing on all cylinders mm -hmm. across the website and your events and with your PR and your analysts across all these different disciplines. And that takes significant investment to make sure you've got yes. um, all of those areas covered, right? I, that is what I'm saying. I think, I think of it as, I think of it like a rocket going into space. Um, and if you don't put enough fuel, you know, the rocket's not going to make it through <laughs> <laughs> all, yeah. all the way uh, through the atmosphere. Uh, you, can, you can keep a company going and you see a lot, you know, and not all companies are going to make it. And there's some of these that no matter how much you spend, it's not going to make it. But I see a lot of companies that um, sort of fizzle along. I mean, they, they, they drift along, they don't really take off. And I think from a mark, purely marketing perspective, obviously there's, you got to have a good product. Uh, it's got to be a good product market fit, um, keep your customers happy. But from a pure brand building, delivering leads, supporting uh, the field uh, with enablement, there's a certain level of investment on all of those cylinders that's going to that's gonna fuel your rocket. Got it. Okay, so now we've, we've talked a little bit about bringing on the first hire, talked a little bit about, you know, what's the, the kind of right investment. So now, now let's yeah. talk a little bit, let's pivot and talk a little bit about strategy. So as, as, and you've seen this a few times where um, organizations, as they start thinking about their strategy, start um, diluting their strategy and going after 
too many targets. So talk a little bit about, you know, how companies think about the strategy and what some of the, either some of the mistakes yeah. or some of the successes you've seen around setting a course and sticking with it. Yeah, so that that's interesting. And it, again, these questions are all interrelated. So we talked about um, marketing investment on all cylinders. So that's particularly important if you're um, doing what I call a consumer type marketing investment, right? And how does that relate to your question? So I've been I've been in companies that have been enterprise companies. I've been in companies that have been you know more mid market SMB focused, and then I've been in a company that flip flop between the two. I think flip flopping is is the worst thing you can do. Um, you know, I, I totally agree that companies have to pivot. You know, that's that's part of a startup. You make pivots, um, but if you're pivoting all the time on your strategy up and down, you're just burning a lot of money and, and getting nowhere, particularly with this enterprise versus mid-market SMB. So I think, um, I think the thing that companies often don't realize is that if you want to be an elephant hunter or, you know, you yeah. have to, if you want to attract elephants, you need to walk like an elephant and talk like an elephant. And that is a big investment. Um, it, it involves a product. You have to have a product that's enterprise ready, flexible. You have to have um, that has security practices in your product and also in your organization. In your marketing, um, you have to be willing to do account based marketing, um, really focus on those top tier buyers and be able to provide content, messaging, materials, uh, campaigns to each of the buyers. So typically in a complex sale, you're going to have IT, procurement, whoever the business buyer is, or even multiple business buyers. You're going to have the head of that department, like if you're selling to sales, VP of sales, but also um, maybe sales ops is going to be involved. All those are different personas and buyers. So heavy investment in content marketing, in, in product marketing, um, and, and then always in customer marketing and those types of sales. On the, on the other side, if you're doing SMB mid-market, um, now you're talking about almost a consumer type of sale. So uh, lots of investment in brand um, and more digital marketing, uh, more things that are uh, almost clever, less about um, the, you are going to talk to the pains that you solved, but you know you're, you're going to be doing things on Facebook and LinkedIn, and you're going to have clever marketing that grabs people, and then that, that helps. And you're going to be constantly tuning those messages to make sure that you're attracting enough eyeballs, and they're coming in and doing a card swipe or the freemium model where they they get to try and buy. So this is this is more investment in the demand and the digital um, side of things, and just tuning your ad messages and your offers. Um, so not as much investment uh, in the in, in in product marketing and sales enablement. I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I think that going back to your question is, what should I do? Should I do one or the other? Should I flip flop? Well, first of all, you have to know what your product market fit is. You have to decide on your model, um, and then 
realize that whatever that model is, it's going to impact every piece of your business, including marketing. So if you flip-flop, you're just wasting a lot of energy because you can't possibly retune all of those things overnight. And right. what happens is you don't, you don't tune for any, any particular thing and ultimately leads to a lot of money spent and not a lot of success. Oh, that's really insightful. So in, a, in the spirit of um, all these things being interconnected, right? So we've we walked yes. through first hire and strategy and investment, uh, when to bring somebody like you in, what's the right uh, discipline or background to bring in. They all connect to help start building this team. So now as you start thinking about building a team, what's the right makeup? How do you and what have you seen work or fail in organizations in terms of the types of people that they bring in and how they make that mix for a good team and a good culture? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. So, um, you know, I, I, uh, w- one thing I want to bring up um, before I talk, I mean, I, I, think, I think it's about diversity, but one of the things I want to bring up is um, – is making sure not only in diversity of people, but in skill sets. So I think marketing is one of the, you know, I, I feel this way, of course, I'm a marketer, is one of the most broad, broad disciplines in a company. And you, it has to be quantitative, extremely quantitative these days. So you need to have somebody on the team. This goes back to the, well, I need to fill all the boxes. And I don't want... Any listener to think, well, that means I need to spend, you know, unlimited budget. But to think about the team and having a diversity and at least having a mix of these skills, so quantitative skills. And that's typically marketing operations. It can be somebody that's got a demand or an operations background, but really looks at the numbers um, and and helps helps the the company make decisions, not only about how to market, but who to market to, who to sell to, where where to target, um, even, it can even lead to, you know, what you build in your product, right? So, but um, typically people that are highly quantitative aren't necessarily your visually creative or verbally creative storytellers. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be somebody that, that brings that, that element uh, to the table. I think particularly storytelling, being able to translate um, what it is you're building into compelling uh, I, I, I call it compelling words and pictures that tell a story that make people interested in your product. Um, some of that, again, you can work with outside agencies, uh, particularly on the visual um, creative piece of it. Um, but, uh, but some of it you need to have in-house, the story about who you are and why people um, should be interested in your product. So I think there's a diversity of skill sets. Um, and then I think there's a, you know, I, I relate to this a lot because I'm not, uh, I'm not 25 anymore, but um, <laughs> there's, there's certainly an age bias like that I've seen in startups and um, often the CEOs are very young. So, you know, you get this sort of youth culture um, and, you know, there, especially in what we do these days, you know, software is not, it's been around, right? I started in software at at an earlier point when software was maybe um, 
a business that wasn't quite established yet, but now you know, we've, we've seen patterns and having some experience either in the, with the particular buyer that you're selling to, let's say it's a finance buyer and you know that audience, that's one that, that I know well, um, or it's just experience in uh, talking to analysts, talking to executives, so these are things that people with experience bring to the table. On the other hand, um, you know, the, the, the really young people coming out of college that are uh, super excited about traveling all over the place, they're super excited about their career, they have creative ideas, they've grown up with social media, um, they want to do podcasts, <laughs> you know, these <laughs> folks are, are tremendous, right? So if you have a mix, um, and you have some, some experience in your management team, uh, that, you know, that's when I think the magic happens. And I know, I know for me, I love, you know, building people's careers. Um, and that's, that's just a great joy that I have to, to have these, these young folks coming up and helping them to shape their careers and, um, and moving them forward. So, you know, I can do that because I know, like I, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen what the next step should be for them. And um, so I think they, you know, they appreciate having some guidance um, and, uh, and, and being able to be successful because you can help them with whatever they're doing. You, you know how to do a successful campaign. You know, you know how a story comes together. So I, I can teach them uh, these tools that they can use throughout their careers. So um, I think it's, 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 it's exciting for, for people uh, like myself that have experience and then, it, and then it's great for the younger people. So I like that mix of, of experience and, and youthful energy in a company. Mm -hmm. I think that's when the magic happens. And then, and then there's other pieces of diversity, of course, different coming from uh, different cultural backgrounds um, is interesting. We, you know, we live in a gold, global world. We're all marketing globally now. Um, and, we need to, when we put things out on, on the website, we need to be culturally aware of how this is coming across. And, and uh, something that works in the U.S. Uh, has to be tuned. And if you've seen that and you know that you've lived in that country, I mean, I'm going to give you an example right now. I'm gonna, we're going to do a big event in the U.K. And um, I wrote to some folks I know there, and they have a, they have a, practice about, you know, I did not know this, but this is, you reach out and you figure it out, right? You, if you have someone in the UK and you get a confirmation from them, um, a written confirmation that they're going to come to a dinner, then they show up to the dinner. But if you don't do that, they don't show up. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, this is a, you, this is a cultural thing that, uh, um, that, that I wouldn't necessarily realize as, a, as an American. Um, but those types of examples are, are all over in every country. So I think that that cultural diversity helps us um, be better marketers. Well, and so I think it's time for us to wrap up. We've covered a lot of ground today. Uh, I want to thank you for the insights and the candor um, and just hearing your background and perspective. It's tough for teams, organizations, founders, right, to – figure out when's the right time to start pulling the trigger on all of this and then trusting that they're bringing the right person in and then that they're going to help build this new infrastructure. It becomes part of the cultural fabric of the company. It becomes a 
good bellwether of their success. So your views on kind of diverse teams, setting a strategy, um, being able to move, evolve, pivot through it, but still setting a strategy in a direction and then kind of realizing what's the right person to bring in and when to bring them in it is all very uh, important for these organizations. So I fully thank you for spending the time with us today. Really appreciate it. Anything you wanted to add before we close out? No, um, I think I, the only thing I would add is, that we hadn't talked about is culture. Um, I think that's important. Regardless of, you know, you have to be, in all of these things, you're going to make mistakes, and you have to be willing to gracefully change and sometimes even fire people, you know. Uh, but uh, I think building a culture of respect, respecting individuals and doing things in a way that um, even when you let people go, that is respectful of allowing them to find Find another position or explaining things why you know you need to make a change. That, that that's really important today. Um, that's that's what I try to do in my in my dealings with people, and I think it helps uh, grow your company ultimately and attract the right attract the right talent. Well, I'll tell you what. I think we could do an entire other podcast on on that topic alone. So maybe we'll have you back <laughs> yeah. for for the for round two. Okay, sounds good, Todd. All right, Foley, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that was great. I love listening to Folia's point of view and her perspective, uh, especially around this idea of which of the disciplines do you need somebody for your marketing? Do you want a demand gen person? Do you want a product marketing person? Or do you want a corporate person? Those people seldom live in the same body. And so knowing who you are, where you are, do you have a fit in the marketplace? We'll start to drive you getting the right kind of marketing person into your organization. So if you'd like to learn more from Folia, certainly follow her on either Twitter or LinkedIn at Folia Grace. And if you'd like some more insights as well, I'd love to have you buy the book. It's called Beyond Product, and it's now available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Otherwise, follow us on the podcast, Look at us on foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co, a place where exceptional founders grow. Or follow me on social media. Thanks again for taking a listen. Hope you have a great day. You've been listening to the Founders Place podcast, a place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.